Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, John White, priest at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. This week it was fourth Advent and we're talking about Joseph and the power of faith. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. As I mentioned last week, I discovered that this past week was the anniversary of my ordination to the priesthood. I had, I had been under the impression that it was the 22nd, but it was actually the 18th. So last Wednesday was the 7th anniversary of my ordination. And I've been thinking about that, and I calculated that I have probably celebrated Eucharist well over a thousand times now, which is really kind of hard for me to kind of wrap my head around. And when I was in seminary, and they were teaching us, like, where to put your hands and what to do and, and how to look like, you know, you know what you're doing up there, I could not have imagined that, and I was, I can remember thinking my biggest fear was that in becoming the one who, who celebrates the Eucharist at the altar, that I would lose something of the experience. Because for me, and I hope for you, communion is, is truly like being in the presence of God. No matter else, what else is happening in the world, in the worship service, anything. When it comes to the time of communion, 
of taking the bread and the wine, everything else dissolves away. It is, it is a sacrament where we see the presence of God in our midst and we can point to it and we can say, that's God right there. And, and for me, I have to say that it's, it's been a journey right my my faith life has been a journey and and when I started I can assure you that standing behind the altar was not where I would have imagined it would take me probably because I really felt myself to be pretty unworthy not only unworthy of being a priest but really kind of unworthy of being a Christian and then one day, I, I, remember, I remember this clearly, I, I had this experience where I just I had an epiphany where I really felt as though um, the, everything about like God and Jesus and the saints and all that was, was true in some way that I had never really accepted before. And so I, I emailed, I told you this story before, I emailed the priest and said I'd like to be baptized and, and I, that all happened. I went and got baptized. And... I remember that day so clearly and I remember people asking me if I was excited and I said no I was I was frankly a little terrified of this thing that I was being invited into right and and it's I don't know I, I don't know about you but I know that I often have felt in my life to be not quite up to the mark right that I don't always live up to the person I would like to be. I can be short-tempered. I can be arrogant. I can be rude. I'm a terrible driver. <laughs> but it's usually it's somebody else's fault. Just so we're clear. It's never my fault. Like last week, no, I'm not going to tell you that. Right? And so to feel the love of God was, I think, a challenge and something very freeing. Because sometimes it's really hard to trust in the love of God. Sometimes it can feel very far away. And yet, it's always so present. And, and I've been thinking of this because I've been reflecting on the story of Joseph that we are given today. Right? Because if we put ourselves in Joseph's shoes... Imagine this scenario. You are engaged to someone, a woman, for example. <laughs> and you've already kind of, you know, done all the things you need to do to be married. And you're going to have a life together. Maybe, maybe you're in love. Who knows? It's a possibility. And just before you're, you're set to you know, have the ceremony and, and to set up your new house together and, and live in, in, you know, wedded bliss. She's pregnant. And you're pretty sure it's not from you. You should probably know that. And, and imagine how that feels. I mean, aside from, you know, the societal pressures that she was under and how, how the society used to look at unwed mothers and all of that. Just... This, between these two people, Mary and Joseph, that Joseph must have felt deeply, deeply betrayed. I mean, wouldn't we feel that way? 
Right? If we found out that the person that we loved most in the world and that we wanted to spend our lives with had, had been secretly with someone else, wouldn't we feel heartbroken and angry? And yet the scripture tells us that Joseph didn't want to make a, a big scene about it. He didn't want to, you know, go on a Twitter rant or go crazy on Facebook or something and talk about how terrible Mary was. He really just wanted to go away with his broken heart and figure out a way to heal. And then it tells us, just when he had decided that that was the course of action that he should take, an angel comes to him in a dream and says, Joseph, don't do that. Don't do that, Joseph. This Mary has been called to something remarkable and you have a role in that. So marry her because this child that she has is not it's not a child of betrayal, Joseph. It's a child of promise. It's a child that is being gifted to the world and, and this child will need you. It will need an earthly father. And so Joseph decides to follow the angel. And I think that that is the most remarkable thing in the world. That Joseph... Good thing snow, yeah, anyway, snow sliding off the roof. Um, but that Joseph, in his hurt and his anger and his sense of betrayal, trusts in this vision, in this dream. It tells us it's a dream. Do you make life decisions based on your dreams? Because Joseph did. Joseph recognized in some way that this dream was not an ordinary dream but it was truly a message from God and he chose to follow it and for all we know the scripture doesn't really go into a lot of detail but but Mary and Joseph went on to have lots of children they had a big family I think it names at least three brothers and sisters in scripture and scriptures of Jesus and, and though it seems as though Joseph was not around anymore at the time of Jesus' earthly ministry, I think we have to believe that in some way that, that Jesus' ministry is colored by this original act of generosity on Joseph's part. Because Joseph is ultimately a generous person of love. Right? Because Jesus could have grown up in a household that was tainted by that anger and that betrayal and that hurt that Joseph must have felt and that would have carried on. And yet Joseph seems to have trusted wholly in God and let that go. And ultimately, I think that that's what we're called to, right? Because one of the things that I find most powerful in the experience of Eucharist is that none of us here are worthy of being at the Lord's table. None of us. We all have fallen short of the people we were created to be from time to time. And maybe we, we accept that and forget about the love of God. And maybe we strive to re-encounter the love of God. But but all of us fall short. And yet, when we do communion, at the words of institution, we say something really important. 
right? We talk about that on the night that Jesus was betrayed. The night he was betrayed, it says. He took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his friends and he says, take and eat. And then likewise, after supper, he takes the cup of wine and he says, drink this, all of you, all of you. And I think what's remarkable about that is that the all of you includes on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, the betrayer. That Judas, the betrayer of Christ, is at table. And I think what that tells us is that there is nothing we can do. Nothing that can separate us from the generous invitation of God. That as Jesus invites Judas to eat of his body and to drink of his blood, he likewise looks at us who fall short, hopefully not as bad as Judas did, and still says, I love you. I want you to be among my friends. I want you to take what I have to offer and take it into the world and make it a better place, the same way that I have tried to do. That, that these stories of, of Joseph and of what we do at communion point to the power of generosity, the power of love to create something beautiful, something remarkable. And that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit through our participation in the life of faith and in the sacraments, to be reminded that that is our primary call, to be generous lovers of the world, to take who we encounter and like Joseph, to put aside the things that could darken us and to hold up the possibility of the light of Christ and everyone we encounter. Amen.